Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord for more than seven decades, and these life studies represent his contribution to the ever-expanding understanding of the revelation of the Bible. The purpose of these life studies is to present the truths contained in the scriptures and to minister the genuine life supply, to solve the common and hard problems found in the Bible and to open up every book of the Bible through interpretation. We're very happy to bring you selected portions from his speaking today. If you'd like to learn more about the Life Studies, please visit our website at lifestudy.com. Simply lifestudy.com. Now, here's today's program. What does the Bible say happens to a believer in Christ when he or she dies? Does it actually say that we are taken immediately to heaven? Well, though this is the common thought among Christians, remember the question was, what does the Bible say? We may think we know, but we may also be in for a surprise when we actually look into God's Word. We will find this very important section of Scripture today in Luke chapter 16, and Gary Evans is with us for another Life Study program. Gary, it's always good to have you. We don't get you very often, but I look forward to the times we have together. Thanks for coming today. It's always an honor to be here, to coordinate to serve together with you brothers to release the Word of God. Gary, we have a big topic today. We've been seeing in Luke, Gary, a number of parables that the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples and sometimes to uh, his followers and other times to the religious ones, the Pharisees. Today in chapter 16, we have something that is often called a parable, but it really isn't. It's a story that touches this matter of what happens to both believers and unbelievers when they die. Uh, Quite a topic before us, isn't it? To understand this topic, you really have to see the setting, Chris. And the setting here is that the Lord is engaging the Pharisees again. Now, actually, in Luke 14, 15, 16, and the next chapter, 17, this is really an account of the Lord aggressively taking on the Pharisees. He's engaging them in dialogue in order to release the truth. They're out to trap the Lord, but the Lord uses their impure motives to reveal more of the truth. And in this chapter 16, the Lord touches the matter of money, the matter of loving money, right, and the matter also of impurity and lust. And he strikes it like an arrow right into the heart of the Pharisees. And then he summarizes the whole thing with a historical account of a rich man and a poor beggar what happened to both of them in the next life. So this is a rare picture given by the Lord, not as a parable, but as a historical account of what will happen in the next age, what will happen in the afterlife. It's a window given by the Lord Jesus himself into the afterlife. There are two points in this message today. As we uh, get into it, we're going to see they're very closely related. The first has to do with this matter of loving money, and it sets up the other. So let's touch these verses in Luke 16. Uh, I'm going to start reading at verse 14 a little bit here. It says, And the Pharisees, being lovers of money, heard all these things and were sneering at him. Of course, him being the Lord Jesus. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. 
From that time, the kingdom of God is proclaimed as the gospel, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one seraph of the law to fail. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. Gary, not an easy section of the word to understand. No, it's not. Why is this uh, an important backdrop as we get into this message today? Well, you have to understand that, again, the Lord is speaking to the Pharisees. Now, most of us, when we think of the Pharisees, we think of the word hypocrite. But the real root of the problem with the Pharisees was the love of money. They wanted to be rich. Uh And so the Lord used this occasion to show them that now this is the time, as we've been saying before in our past programs, this is the time of jubilee, and that you Pharisees are trying to enter into the kingdom of the heavens by means of the law and the prophets. But now I have come to proclaim jubilee, and that now those who will enter into the kingdom of the heavens will force their way into the kingdom of the heavens, and we know that that is by faith in Christ and putting our complete trust in the finished work of Christ for our salvation. And that's the backdrop. Once again, the Lord takes the opportunity to proclaim jubilee and to proclaim a change in the age that you Pharisees, by trying to obtain salvation by the law and the prophets, you've ended up lovers of money. And I'm going to show you what happens to those who love money and what happens to those who love the Word of God. It was an interesting uh, mingling here. We see religious ones with a high standing and uh, religious leaders, and yet fully occupied with the love and uh, seeking after riches and money. Uh, A situation not altogether dissimilar from what we at times see today, is it, Gary? No, and even throughout church history, you can see it. All the way back to the times of Constantine, the Roman emperor, one of the first things he did was establish a tax so that he could pay great salaries to the bishops of the church. Just before Constantine, to be a bishop was almost to have a death sentence. You were almost guaranteed martyrdom. But now, everything had changed. Now, to be a bishop meant that you were going to have a place of prestige, power, and money. Even many of the bishops back then were at the same time mayors and governors. And we can see this throughout church history, even at the time of the British Reformation, Mm -hmm. when such martyrs as Roland Taylor were giving their life in the middle 1500s. The environment that they were in was one where lords or noblemen who owned a lot of land were buying bishoprics Mm. so that they could be powerful economically, politically, and even religiously. So the love of money has spoiled many people in their service to God. Well, that point is going to be underscored by our brother Witness Lee. Let's join him for that first portion of fellowship now. Today is not the dispensation of law. Today is the dispensation of the acceptable year of the Lord. It is the jubilee, the good news of the kingdom of God. Law and prophets, in a sense, are over. I tell you, the Pharisees, when they heard this, on the one hand, they were unhappy to hear it. But on the other hand, they were somewhat happy within them to hear this because they say, law is over. So they don't need to keep the law. They are freed from the law to divorce their wives. 
could you follow me? Because those rich Pharisees, they divorced their wives. They were indulging in the lust. And this lust was very much instigated by the riches. So don't use your riches to incite your lust. Rather, use your daughters to do things for the benefit of others. The Pharisees were lovers of money when they heard that the law was over. They were happy. So the Lord sealed his word, saying, Don't think the law is over. But I tell you, the law could never pass away. It remains forever to condemn you. You are not free from the law to divorce your wife. Now you got it? In this chapter, the Lord dealing with Pharisees actually is to deal with their riches and their lust. Very strong word, and I would just say delivered with a very strong spirit, I think. There was a burden here. Um, this matter, this connection of the inciting of lust by riches, the Lord really exposed the Pharisees. There's a lot of exposure uh, even in ourselves when this comes up, isn't there? Yes, really, we all have a bit of Pharisee inside of us and maybe more than a bit of Pharisee inside of us. So this word to the Pharisees, we cannot pitchfork to them. We have to apply it also to ourselves. And we do know throughout church history and even the present days, these two matters, love of money and immorality in sexual matters, have led to the downfall of many a servant of the Lord. Right. And so the Lord here has given us quite a warning, and all of us should take heed to this warning. The love of money eventually leads to problems and immorality in sexual matters. And why is that? Well, you see, the Pharisees, they wanted to be esteemed by everyone. This made them think that they were more than they really were. They esteemed themselves more highly than they should have. And the underlying reason was that they loved money. And we don't usually think of the Pharisees this way, but evidently many of them were rich people. They obtained riches by a facade of being religious. This led eventually to the incitement of their lust. And it was the Pharisees who were divorcing their wives. Mm -hmm. In other words, as they were tired of their wife, they divorced to marry another. And the Lord here has given a strong word against this. This is why I appreciate a quote that I heard recently from Watchman Nee in the book, The Breaking of the Outer Man for the Release of the Spirit. Watchman Nee says this, Those who really know God treasure purity rather than power. And Chris, the reason for this is that the pure, they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Right. They shall see God. Every Christian is a servant of the Lord. All of us should desire purity more than power, more than fame, more than riches. See, when we're pure in heart in that way, where all we want is God in Christ as the Spirit saturating our being, growing in us, then we become really powerful. Our power is our purity. Nothing can touch us then. Riches don't touch us. Immorality doesn't touch us. Why? Not because we're stronger or better than anyone else, but because we are so flooded with the triune God, our mind, emotion, and will are so filled with him that we have the genuine power and effectiveness in our Christian living and work. Wow. 
Gary, uh, it's interesting. We opened the program uh, somewhat uh, inciting our listeners to uh, be drawn to the broadcast by bringing up this matter of heaven. Now it comes up in the next portion in chapter 16. Uh, but it's very important that we see this backdrop that has just been presented, this matter of riches and lust in the impurity of the religious ones of the day, the Pharisees, due to the riches. Because now as the Lord tells this story in chapter 16 about the rich man and a beggar named Lazarus, the key factor is one of them is in fact rich and one was a poor person. I think most of our listeners are familiar somewhat with the story. We'll pick it up here in chapter 16, verse 22. And the beggar died, and of course he had before been at the gate of the rich man trying to pick up the crumbs that would fall off uh, to be satisfied. But it says the beggar died, and he was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham from afar and Lazarus in his bosom. And he called out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you fully received your good things, and Lazarus likewise bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all these things, between us and you a great chasm is fixed, so that those wanting to pass from here to you cannot neither from there to us may any cross over. Wonderfully uh, vivid picture, isn't it, Gary? Very vivid. Let's join Witness Lee for this portion. In verse 19, you have the word now again. That means furthermore, furthermore, Pharisees, I have finished my talk yet. Furthermore, I'd like to tell you a story. This is not a parable. No, this is a real story because you have the real names. You have the name of Lazarus, you have the name of Abraham, and you have the name of Hades. This is not a parable. It's a real fact. The Lord Jesus pick up the story and uh, refer it to the rich Pharisees, to the money lovers. Now, a certain man was rich, and so forth, and so forth. Then he died, and the poor man also died. They all went to Hades. In Hades... There were, and still are, two sections. One section is a section of comfort. You know, when we Christians hear the word Hades, we always think very bad. But by God's mercy and through his redemption, there is a good section for God's redeemed people. And in this section, you could see Abraham was there, right? As Abraham was there, no doubt, Isaac, Jacob, all the Old Testament saints were there. Okay, what is Hades? According to God's way, everyone dies, either saved or unsaved. And the body, mostly, is buried in earth, and the spirit goes to Hades. Hades is temporarily placed to keep the disembodied spirit. And among the disembodied human spirit, some are the spirit of the saved ones, and most of them are the spirit of the unsaved. So in the place where the disembodied human spirit are kept, 
is of two sections. One is the section for the saved, which is a section of comfort, the present section. And the other is for the unsaved, and that is a section of torment. Well, Gary, there is uh, more light and insight here than I think we imagined. We might have read through this story in chapter 16 and never really seen what it was pointing out, and that is that here the spirits of these two dead ones, one saved and one unsaved, end up in the same general place but two different sections. Let's talk about this for a few minutes. Well, this was not striking to those Jewish ears that were listening to the Lord, but it is striking to us today because our traditional thought is that after you die, if you're saved, you go to heaven, and if you're not saved, you go to hell. Uh, But this was not the thinking in the ancient days. In fact, Josephus, one of the ancient authorities for the history of the Jewish people and the way that they thought, he says that this is a common thinking, that when a person dies, they go to a place called paradise. And the Lord mentions that here. He talks about a place— Remember in Matthew twelve forty, he said, just like Jonah being in the belly of the well, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth right. for three days and three nights. Right. And he said to the thief, today, not three or four days from now, today you will be with me in paradise. So paradise must be in the heart of the earth. And Josephus tells us this is what the Jews have always thought. So even Paul distinguishes this in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, I know a man who was caught away to the third heavens. And then he adds in the next verse, verse 4, he says, And I know a man who was caught away into paradise. So Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 differentiates between the heavens and paradise. And then in Revelation 6, 9, the souls of the martyred saints are where? under the altar. And we know that the altar was in the outer court, and the outer court symbolizes the earth. So this must refer to the souls of those who have been martyred for God's interest under the earth. So what the Bible reveals is that after we pass away, we go to a place in the heart of the earth, those who love the Lord, to a place of comfort, and those who don't, to a place of torment. I don't know, Chris, if you realize, but even David is still there. In Acts chapter 2, verses 27 and 34, Mm -hmm. it tells us there that David, and this is after the day of resurrection now, after Christ has already resurrected, the apostle Peter says, David has not ascended to the heavens. So David remains in paradise. So all of the believers that have gone before us today, according to the Lord's word, They're in paradise in the heart of the earth, awaiting the resurrection of the dead. I think we need to underscore that this is a temporary place. Uh, This isn't the eternal destination, is it? No. Of course, the eternal destination of the believers is also quite striking to our common thought today, and that is we will be on the new earth. We will not be in heaven in eternity. But according to the very end of the Bible— the new Jerusalem descends out of the new heavens onto the new earth. And for eternity, we will be with the Lord as the new Jerusalem on the new earth. So God always has been throughout the scriptures wanting to come to earth. It's us who want to go to heaven, and I'm afraid we might pass God coming down. God's coming down to earth. We're trying to go up to heaven. He might wave to us. Our destiny is on the new earth with God. 
Well, normally we have three sections of fellowship from Witness Lee. Today we cut that to two because of the time uh, to develop some of these points. Uh, we have the life study message that we want to talk about, and I want to come back to you for a concluding word here for just a moment. But before we do, I want to mention we do have the printed life study messages of Luke that cover this matter when we touch it here in 16 and also again in Chapter 23, as you referred to. Let me give you our toll-free number and invite you to contact us, one eight 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 life study That's 888-543-3788. Gary, give us a final thought about today's portion. Well, we have to end it with the Lord's word there at the end of Luke 16 and this historical account. You have Lazarus being comforted, and you have the rich man who has no name. That's right. That means his life, Chris, had no value. His life was spent with the love of riches and probably corrupted in sexual matters. And so his name is not even worthy to be recorded. But the poor man's name, Lazarus, is given to us, meaning his name had significance. Now, why? It's not because one was rich and the other was poor. It's not poverty that got Lazarus into the place of comfort. And it wasn't the riches that directly got the rich man there. It was indirect. The difference between the two was that one heard the word and the other would not. Abraham told the rich man, your brothers have the word of God. They have Moses. Let them hear Moses. Let them hear the word of God. Because even if one were to rise from the dead, they wouldn't believe if they wouldn't believe the word of God. So the difference between the two, Chris, is that one listened and loved the word and the other did not. And I'm reminded of John chapter 5, where the Lord again told the Pharisees that the scriptures testify of me. And then he rebuked them. He said, and you won't come to me. The whole point really at the end of Luke 16 is that in the word, we are brought to Christ. So it is not so much a question of where you will be in the next age as who you will be with. For us Christians, Christ is everything. And our life on this earth is altogether wrapped up with Christ and our eternity in paradise, and later on the new earth as the new Jerusalem, is again all together wrapped up in a loving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We should come to him. That's what the scriptures point us to. Gary, I will close with a verse that uh, you pointed out as we were talking earlier. David said, even if I make my bed in Sheol, which is, I believe, the Hebrew word for Hades, wasn't it? Yes. There you would be with me. So, Our destination is a person, Gary, and that's what we want to stay focused on. Really appreciate having you again. The toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788, or send email to radio at lsm.org. We invite you, we haven't mentioned it for some time, but visit the Living Stream Ministry website at www.lsm.org. You can see samples there of many of the uh, items of literature that Living Stream Ministry presents from the Ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, as well as the archive of our radio broadcasts that are available for you to listen to at your leisure from the Internet. Again, that's www.lsm.org. For Gary Evans, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. 
The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.